All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling almost 100%. I don't know what to attribute that to. I told you last episode what was going on and what I was taking and how I was handling it. Today on the show, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle is on the show today. Don Cheadle, who's, uh, I guess there's a new um, season of Black Monday on Showtime, season two, premiering March 15th, this Sunday at 10 p.m. We talked about a lot of stuff, good stories, some great stories, great guy. I like Before Cheadle came in, I had to decat the place because he's highly allergic, I was told. There's been no cats out here, but there was a pillow. There was a pillow that... Uh, Buster kind of made his own that danderized it. He danderized, he cat danderized, he busterized it. The pillow that's on the seat of the chair over there. And um, so I washed that and I didn't end up putting it there anyways. Anyone, anyone has, who didn't want anyone's throat to close up? But oddly, no allergic problems, but the fucking power went out, man. The power went out in this place and I don't know how... Everything didn't get lost because we were 40 minutes in, but I think it's because I have one of these towers that I plug into, you know, where you plug that into the wall and it's got like a built-in battery trip going. One of those things where it's like this giant thing that you plug into, like a power strip times 20, but it's got a battery in it and I think that saved us. I think that saved the Cheadle Marin discussion. I've got a lot of tech in here, man, if I think about it. I got the headphone amp, I got the Zoom backup, I got the EPM6 mixer here, I got I got the uh, Apple, I got like nine backup drives so we don't lose anything. I got the Google Assistant to help me out with uh, with stuff during the intros. That that ought to be fun, right? See what happens with that. Tuesday night, man. I'll be you, I'm going to do the Bon Scott tribute. Where the fuck is that happening, man? The Avalon? I don't know. Go to deandelray.com. The Bon Scott tribute. There might be a couple tickets left. Um, let me ask. Uh, hey, Google. Uh, where is the Dean Del Rey Bon Scott tribute? Dean Del Rey's tribute to Bon Scott of ACDC comedy and rock show is located in the Avalon Hollywood. There you go. My special. Um, end times fun premieres tomorrow and I, I guess I'm maybe I, I'm not as look I'm I'm nervous about it because I'd like it, I'd like people to see it and I'd like a broad swath of people to see it I put about two years of work into the special and weaving it together so everything sort of connects and hangs together like a, a singular piece I recorded in a beautiful little theater downtown LA and I got to be honest with you if if this doesn't provoke something, in somebody, in a large way, then I clear my relevance is in question. Not because I'm trying to. It's just I watched it again, and I realized, like in my own sort of uh, smooth way, I kind of seek to uh, I push buttons on all levels in all directions. But I I I'm doing it in a in a sweet way, and I don't. And it's stuff on the this, this some of this shit in the special is pretty pretty heavy it's pretty um 
over the top. The closer is uh, is almost operatic in its uh, construction. And I just, I guess when you do something in this day and age, like a special, you want it to land, man. You know, I just want it. And I don't, I know you guys listen to me and, and, and you know that it's going to be on, but I want it to go out there in, in a big way. And uh, we'll see what happens, I guess. I've done all I can, I think. I think I've done all I can. I think I'm going to ask a couple of my buddies to maybe put it out, help me tweet it out there. I'd like, I'd like to hear the opinion of uh, Jason Zinneman over there at the New York Times. just Because it's not even that, it's, it's not the promotion thing. I like critics to deal with it so I can get a sense of it. I respect intelligent critics. And if they are actual critics and not just reviewers, um, I can learn something about what I've done. I don't really know what I've done. Even when I sent a, a link to Brendan McDonald, the producer of this show, my business partner, who, who has known me forever and seen me through a lot of different material, his take on some of the stuff I did in the special was a way of looking at it that I hadn't looked at it. There was something that he saw, and I think it's in there, but I like the fact that I, I put this stuff together, I put it out there, and I really I can't see it the way you guys see it or react to it the way you guys react to it. All I know is I'm thrilled that it's going to be out there tomorrow. I'm excited to hear what people think about it, you know? All right, let's do... Come on, man. My special's on tomorrow. I can't be expected to keep my thoughts together. I made cabbage today. How do you make cabbage? <laughs> hey, Google. How do you make cabbage? Sure. I've got a recipe called Southern Cabbage Recipe from Divas Can Cook. Does that sound good? No, I'd like a Indian cabbage recipe. Okay. I've got a recipe called Indian Cabbage and Potato Curry Vegan from the Wholesome Fork. Does that sound good? Yeah, but I don't have time right now. No problem. Um. All right. So let's... I did make cabbage. Here's how I make it because some people seem to like my recipes occasionally. I take a head of purple cabbage and a wok. And in the wok on high heat, before I lower it a little bit, I put avocado oil. Then I throw, I would say, probably a tablespoon of black mustard seeds in there. And when they start to pop and fizzle, I throw in maybe a tablespoon and a half of cumin seeds, whole cumin seeds. And when they brown a little bit, I throw the shredded cabbage into the wok, which is kind of uh, unruly. Crank it down to about medium high and then try to toss that shit. You know, give it, let it simmer and then toss it around. And it'll start to shrink and shrink and then you toss it and you toss it and you get it, uh, you know, almost soft. Get that cabbage al dente, the purple cabbage. And then I hit it with probably a quarter cup plus a little more of apple cider vinegar and steam it out with the apple cider vinegar, toss it around in that and then uh, cover it uh, and turn the heat off so it gets all soggy after it steams in the apple cider vinegar. I make that like twice a week, man. That's all. A little Mark Marin recipe for you. So let's do some more of these horrible text emails. Do you want to? I think we've been having a pretty good time with these. Hi, Mark. I'm a personal trainer at a popular gym in Philadelphia. I meet with new people of all walks of life every day and give them one free workout to check out our program. This soft young man was 20 minutes late to the workout and then proceeded to send me a text clearly meant for his friend. I'm not losing sleep over this, but honestly, he could have apologized. All right. And here she sent the, a little screenshot of it. Hey, I overslept a bit. I'm leaving my house now. Should be there in 20. Trainer says, okay, thanks for letting me know. 
and then the, the other the guy says, "Yo, my trainer this morning had the fattest ass, thick white John, no titties, and a fat face, but her legs were like whoa." And and then she goes, "Wrong chat, my friend," and he sends four of those half confused sad faces emojis. He goes, "Well, this is very embarrassing. Guy talk. Hope you understand." And then she says, uh, that was a complete cop-out and honestly angered me more than the content of the text. Well, yeah. Well, what happened? Did you stand up for yourself? I, this is the end of the email. You got to give me a follow-up on that. That was it? You didn't, I, what, you didn't say, you know, you know, go fuck yourself. You shouldn't talk like that. Even, I mean, I guess men are going to talk, but I mean, wow, that, but that was the end of it. Okay. All right. Fine. That, yeah, that was a rude... I, I would not have liked that text to come at me. This was a good one. Subject line, text gone wrong thanks to WTF. Oh, I'm involved. My friend Sabra and I are avid listeners. Our daughters are 12 and have grown up together, so our families are close. One thing we bond over is WTF. In fact, Sabra bought me your book for Christmas a couple years back. Anyway, we always text each other. If one of us has heard a specific episode or tell each other not to miss episode XYZ. Last month, I had sent her a text telling her to listen to the Terry Crews interview. I love him in most of his films, but thought the interview was riveting. What a life, right? She was surprised by my endorsement and said she would listen before we saw each other. Here's a text exchange. Sabra, just listened. So much in that one. Some crazy shit. Then... Me, nothing like a porn addiction, a football career, and a WME agent grabbing your crotch. Then I'm shopping at the container store and I get a call from my 12-year-old daughter's guitar teacher. He's like, hey, it's Kim, the guitar teacher. Is everything okay? I just got a text from you. Is Todd okay? Her husband. Are you okay? I said, shit, that was meant for someone else, and then tried to explain that it was about your show and a guest, which all sounded like bullshit, and that it's Terry Crews who had the porn addiction, and, and, and I was mortified. Thanks, Mark. See you down the road, Gene. Ah, sorry, Gene. Pretty funny. I think that's, I think you can recover from that one, though. I really do. All right, look, folks, I talked to... Don Cheadle about a lot of stuff, a lot of great stories. You, you know, a guy who's had that big a career, uh, you know, there's a lot to cover, but we we landed on some really interesting stuff. And I really, I was happy I was able to um, talk to him about his Miles Davis movie, uh, Miles Ahead, which I loved. And, uh, and, and we got off on a little bit of a, a talk about jazz. So Cheadle and I had a great time, and you're going to hear it right now. His show, you know, the Black Monday show on Showtime, starts this Sunday, March 15th, season two. That's the premiere, Sunday, March 15th at 10 p.m. This is me talking to Don Cheadle. What happens if the cat, what you, if you get around? I, my throat closes oh, up. No. I start hacking and wheezing. Yeah, it's it's bad. Oh, really? Like if you wanted to kill me. It's you a cat. Just, you could throw me in a room full of cats and oh my lock God. the door, and I probably wouldn't make it out. And you've had that the whole life? You know, I just started noticing it like when I was in college. Oh, because I, I, I don't have allergies, I don't think. But the ones that do that, like guys who have that nut allergy. Oh, yeah, that, when it's just, a wrap. Yeah, it's just like. And like I started the, to become allergic to cut grass. Cut grass? Which was not a thing for my whole life. <laughs> How do you avoid that? <laughs> you don't. 
you can't avoid it. And I golf. So you golf. So you're just fucked. So what do you do? Take the Claritin or? You take a Claritin before. Yeah. And then you, after you're finished with the round, you kill yourself. <laughs> How long have you been golfing? Oh man, let me see. Is Probably it? now over 20 years. Now explain it to me because I know guys that golf and uh, and I'm condescending about it. Good, cool. Yeah. Let's go. And I'm, I'm just sort of like, uh, what are you fucking kidding? What are you? <laughs> I like that. And I, but I understand that it's meditative and uh, it's a solo journey. And uh, you're out there with the cut grass, wheezing. And, and your people and your friends usually. Yeah. And it's a long time. So it gives you a chance to talk, hang out, kind of uh, enjoy space. Smoke a joint. Yeah. And, chill. And, yeah. All right. And and, and sort of, I mean, the, the thing for golf for me is that it really, uh, it just reveals who you are to yourself. Really? In a way that it's a physical sort of a manifestation of the things that you're going through. And really? To me. And I think a lot of golfers would agree. Well, wait, okay, so what What have you... You're a guy over the last 20 years has also played, you know, a, a, a broad number of different types of people that I think would show you some af, different aspects of yourself. Mm-hmm. But you think golf, what is it, the simplicity? What have you learned well, about... Well, it's, it's so challenging. It's the hardest thing yeah. to do. It's the hardest okay. physical... It's the hardest thing I've ever tried to do physically. Have you tried, to, to like, the solo climbing? With no, With, uh, no ropes? I'm black, so I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, we don't do that kind of shit. Hey, I got an idea. Let's cr- climb that mountain face with nothing but chalk. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. No, not, not no, for you. We don't do that shit. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, no, I haven't but, tried that. That would be infinitely harder than yeah, golf. Yeah, but I mean, but uh, but the physicality is not, I guess it's difficult. It but, is because in every other sport, you yeah. know, I don't know if you play any sports, any other sport with I've a hit ball. a ball. Yeah. Well, you hit a ball. Sure, so man. You get to, there's a physics that you get the trajectories coming and you get to move your body toward where the ball is coming and there's a, you know, there's yeah, a- right. There's an athleticism that allows sure. you to sort of be in the space. A golf ball is just sitting there. I know. It's crazy. It's and so it's, focused, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, now hit that. Yeah. It goes from stillness to you being still, and now go from still to still to hitting that and then try to move it down the fairway. Try to put this in a hole that's this big. That's ultimately the goal. Right. So when you're able to do it, yeah. it's usually, and do it well, it's right. usually because you have been able to really sort of control all of those demons and all of that noise and all of that right you know they show like the the brain waves for archers and target shooters and people that do that and you know olympic they did it with olympic target shooters and their brain waves when they pull the trigger are like that you know and ours are usually pretty erratic yeah on fire yeah yeah so when you can get into that meditative state i get it it feels great right and you finish and you look back and go oh wow that was a few hours where i was just like in, in that, zone. that's what I well, I can completely appreciate that. But do you you don't do any meditating? Mm-hmm. You do that too. Mm-hmm. So you spend a lot of time in this state. Yeah, I try to. <laughs> <laughs> so like I've been told, I need to meditate too. How long have you been doing that? Um, I've been doing that. I kind of started that in college too. Really, a lot of stuff started for me in college. I went to Cal Arts, California Institute of the Arts. Yeah, and that was a very mind opening, mind broadening. Uh, experience. What year was that? This was 82 to 86. Like, and where'd you come from? Uh, I'd moved right from there f- to California from Denver, Colorado, though I, where I'd lived for the last seven years. But I come from Kansas City. I'm born in Kansas City, Kansas Missouri. City, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And so... Go Chiefs. Yeah. Are you a big Chiefs fan? Yeah. You got to be, right? 
I don't know much about it, but I assume that you kind of lock into your states. Yeah. yeah. So you were born in Kansas City? Mm-hmm. And your family was just there the whole time? We moved around a lot. Why? Um, I was sort of an education brat. I wasn't a military brat. <laughs> My father, you know, was- Chasing tenure? Chasing chasing degrees, chasing scholarship oh, really? money, chasing, yeah, I imagine, grants and, you know, where- What was his uh, focus? He's a psychologist. Really? Medical psychologist. He's a qu- so he sees patients. He did. He's re- since retired. In the house? Uh, no, never uh, in the house. Oh, uh, that's always um, a weird thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Like the, the office is in the back. Especially if you ever know the dude. Because my dad, he did, you know, family and teens. And oh, okay. So a right. lot so of family like, therapy. So a lot of families in the community be like, yeah, we sent our son to your dad. Yeah. And it didn't work out. Well, I actually <laughs> visited my dad at his office one time, which was right down the street yeah. from my school. And I did recognize a kid that was coming out. And he was yeah. like, what are you doing here? Yeah. I was, like, I was just going to say hi. He's like, don't ever come by the office unannounced. <laughs> It's like, Jimmy is really fucked up, isn't he? What did he tell you? I know you guys have that client doctor thing, but but I'm your son. Come on, give it up. (laughs) Nothing, huh? Nothing. So so that's what he was doing. So when you were growing up, he was still getting a degree and and figuring that shit out. And he ended up in Denver to set up a practice or he finished his education there? Yes, he set up a practice. In Denver? Yeah, in Denver, Colorado. Man, that's like, it's hard to breathe there. Oh, I loved it. You did? I mean- it was amazing to be an athlete and you know play soccer in Denver mm. or basketball. You soccer guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then come to LA or come to another state and just be able to run forever and people are like <laughs> winded. You're like, why are you guys winded? <laughs> it's like a lifetime of training. <laughs> exactly. Limited I, oxygen. I had no idea that it was actually going to be beneficial down the line. I mean, I go back now and I can't breathe at all. But when I was coming up, it was very uh, it helped me a lot. In and sports. The, so you grew. So you were in Denver for like from what age to what age? So so from. Sixth grade to senior year, six years, so like wow. twelve years old to eighteen. Years. And that's so that's like kind of your state in a way. I mean, that's formative years. You, you formative have a, years. You have a love for Colorado. I I do have a love for Colorado. My family, my dad still lives there. My my brother and sister still live there, and yeah. nieces and nephews. So so you're there a lot. I, mean, I go back. Yeah. So did you act in in the high school? Yes, that's sort of where the bug. Now the bug actually hit an elementary school, but I had a very good um, high school teacher. Kathy Davis, and she, you know, introduced us to Uta Hagen and Stanislavski. Really? And, yeah. So that was the beginning of the mind blowing. Yeah. It was, wasn't. It wasn't basic shit. It was the real shit. Yeah. She uh, was a real. She was really smart. She. I didn't. She told me about CalArts. I had no idea that you could actually pursue. You could go to school and study it. I right. was just like, what am I going to do now? She's like, you know, you can continue your education in this field. And I like, can't. Were both your folks around then? Yes. And would you, were they supportive of it? Super supportive. That's they, a, they drove me to school. and That's the benefit of having like uh, parents in education, yeah. parents with a broad understanding of things, yeah. where they're like, yeah, yeah, just do that. Yeah. They're probably a little nervous. Def, definitely nervous, especially for CalArts at that time. Yeah. Because it was wide open. Really? What oh, do you yeah. mean? <laughs> Clothing optional pool, and, oh, you know, oh, really? co-ed rooms. And I, I imagine it's kind of still like that. So that was a trip there. I don't know anything about. I don't know if I've talked to anybody who went to CalArts. Yeah, I loved it. It, it was, was like a, a real old school hippie school kind of deal. Or well, what? it was coming state out school, of being Shenard. It used to be Shenard. It was an art school, specifically okay. an art school. But is it a state school? No, not a state no, school. No, it's private school. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it it it's just five metiers. It's I think now it's maybe a little broadened, but it was just acting, dance, um, visual arts. Uh, you know, animation was a part of the film school uh-huh. and music. The music school was huge. You know, where where is it? There. It's in uh, it's in uh, Saugus. How far? Is right that... across from Magic Mountain. Oh, really? Yeah. Wild. So it's like out 
there. Yeah, it's just and it's a conservatory, and yeah, you're you're out there. Like there's nothing else <laughs> yeah. happening, or wasn't definitely when I was there. It's built up a little more now, but when I was there, that was it. And and so you just went for acting. So it's, I imagine it's a bunch of fairly serious, experimenting people. Yeah. Yeah, in a very conservatory sort of a, a setting. You know? And what, so each year, what you? How does it work? What's the What's the structure? Well, you have classes in movement yeah. and, oh, right. and, and voice and speech, ah. and then you have your studio time, which is blocks out of the day. Then you have to. Then you're doing your plays. You're yeah. putting those up, and then you have to work work the plays. So right. you have to do the technical stuff. And the day went from like. And we had Tai Chi, which was amazing. So I learned Tai Chi. At tai Chi Chi was a requirement. It was a it was a requirement for the first year students. So that's that kind of was the beginning of the the mind opening. All of it, yeah. The beginning of all of it. So you do and mushrooms. Mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> do you, are you one of those guys that does those yearly? No, I haven't done that in a long time. I'm, I've kind of been like, I, I'd like to do that again. I haven't Some dudes do it. Time. They do kind of like a like a well, reboot. The microdosing stuff is well, yeah, that's a little odd. Now. Yeah, that's odd. I don't know, man. You know, I'm a sober guy, so like, uh, you know, for me, it's like I don't know. I, I just don't put any of it in. Right. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like because I got the kind of brain where it's like, well, this is a little bit. Why don't we let's keep going and see what happens? <laughs> Why are we stopping Why, here? What, what's with the little bit? Yeah. I kind of want to feel something. Yeah, man. man. I'm not going to yeah. underachieve out yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Tai Chi, do you still do that? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. So, so, between golf, Tai Chi, and meditation, you're, you're, pretty, <laughs> you're pretty level, man. You get, I yeah. think I'm pretty level. I think I'm one of the most level dudes that I know. So when you're, so, okay, so in college, so the movement thing and you did, did you do like, was it like uh, classical stuff? Did you do- Oh, everything. Fencing and stuff? Yes, we did stage combat and we did everything. I mean, we're doing Shakespeare, we're doing Moliere, we're doing August Wilson, we're doing Atalfu Guard, we're doing- Yeah. Everything. Because I was thinking about that, about the the roles, like, you know, when when you say like golf sort of really shows you who you are, but like there's, you've stepped into some, I have to assume, and this just kind of- I realized it yesterday, actually. I mm. talked to um, Tandy Newton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Tandy. Yeah, and uh, you know, we were talking about that role um, in, in Westworld, being in, in, informing her uh, about you know who she is and, and what her struggles are and what her fight is. So, mm. I, you know, what you know, you know, the the character was perfect for her because it helped her move through things. Mm. Did you did you find that? Because I don't know that I've talked to actors about that specifically. The the, the growth of self through the roles. I I think so. I mean, yeah. if you if you take it seriously, and yeah. you're really trying to authentically come from a place where you can live in this person, and that's what you do. You have to find yeah. the place where you and the person meet. Right. I think, or, yeah, you, yeah, or, yeah. or I don't sure. know what you're kind of doing. It's just right, like right. a puppet show. Yeah, you, yeah. You have to really, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get there. Meet that person halfway. Yeah, yeah. So when you're touching that stuff, you cannot help but bring up. Your stuff, right? And right. now you have to kind of filter through and go. Well, I don't need that. Let, exactly. me, let me get rid of that. Let me not use that. That's me. That doesn't have anything to do with this, right? But you have to keep, I think, you know, true to those things that are motivating you and and keep touching that. Place. Yeah, it's a conscious thing though, where you're yeah. like, well, that was too much me. Yeah, because you can I slip mean, into it though, right? Like when you're acting, you can kind of like that. That last take was me. Well, we I think by the time you're actually doing it, hopefully you've had in. the script long enough and yeah. you've, had the, you've, you've worked on it and you've kind of been able to have it be mostly not you. How, how, much, do you do, how much do you read the script before you get in? in you know, uh, yeah? 
Yeah. The whole script or just the pieces? No, all the, the whole script. Really? I always find something new every time I read the script. Really? Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Can we talk about like I've been trying to figure out how to get into this, but I, you know, I fucking loved your Miles Davis movie. Oh, thank you, man. I loved it. Thank and, you. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think I saw it twice. And because I, I don't. It was one of those movies that you know, it's sort of on you mm-hmm. to figure out what's he trying to do here. Right. What's going on? Like, and it seemed to me that it was sort of a, a meditation on the man himself. <laughs> Right, so it's just sort of like this is a an impression, man. Right, so you got the you you know, and you've you've run the whole arc of the Miles thing. You've got Miles who is bordering on a comedic character, you know, in, in the main guy that you've got, the Miles that you made. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's over the top on drugs, fashion wise, isolated and funny. He's genuinely funny, yeah. but maybe not on purpose. But and then all of a sudden the young Miles shows up in the form of that other cat. Yes. And then you sort of kind of try to assess like you know well what's the riff that got him from there to here? Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. So what? So what <laughs> drove you? Like you know what's your relationship with that dude? Well, this was you know I grew up listening to his music you know because your folks did me by my parents yeah digging through their albums and finding Porgy and Bess and yeah. going oh my God what is this and then that leading me to you know kind of blue and then, right then just opening it up to right. him to Cannonball to John yeah. you know yeah. to to the, all of the players yeah. but that's where it started when I was you know in fifth or sixth grade because I'm like I've in the last few years I've started to get into that those guys in that in that trip you know and try to sort of wrap my brain around jazz without really having a, a, a an essential understanding of music mm. theory or anything yeah but you know to either you've got a brain for jazz or you don't mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like either it's gonna lock in or it's gonna make you go like ah, oh, it's making me anxious yeah, exactly people do tend to get anxious yeah sometimes about but it. like for me it's just almost like riddling you know it goes on and I'm like oh oh yeah right for me yeah so when when entering and I know this is probably a, an old uh, old news for you but like you know to to take on that that t- the subject of that guy mm-hmm. I mean what was the spark Well I was not I wasn't gunning for that you know I know a lot of times people are asked actors are asked like is there some guy that you're trying to play or some woman yeah. that you really want to do or some project that you can't that you're dying to do he was not on my radar huh. other than being some a musician that I was in love with and whose music I had grown up on. Right. Um, but it, it kept bubbling up. Uh-huh. It kept being put in front of me in different ways. From really? Different people mentioning it and going, you know what you should do? And it well, just, could, just out of nowhere? Just kind of out of nowhere a bunch of times. Huh. And then I was working with another uh, a couple of writers on another project trying to get it done and um, had auditioned for something in the writer's the writers mentioned it, and they said, oh, we're working on this with the family. Uh, we're actually trying to write this with the family. And, the Miles uh, Davis. Mm-hmm, the Miles Davis biopic. And uh, you should think about doing it. And I was like, well, I don't, wanna, I don't really like biopics. I don't want to do kind right. of the right. traditional cradle to grave kind of biopic. That's just kind of corny. I don't want to do that. It's hard to do that. I just that. don't think there, yeah. you, what, you could take three minutes in each It's each weird. I just, and, I just acted in the Aretha Franklin one. Mm-hmm. But, but it was smart because they went from, they, it ends at, at 72. And that's a smart way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Just take that. Mo- take right. try to take a moment and explode the moment, as right. opposed to. And that's what I was trying to do with the movie. Like take this two days in time where you're stuck in this place. Yeah. Like, am I gonna? Is he ever gonna get out of this place? <laughs> um, yeah. So I it I was actually watching the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Miles was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. And his nephew Vince Wilburn, who's one of the producers on the thing, yeah. was interviewed 
and they said, you're ever going to do a movie about his life? And he said, yeah, and Don Cheadle's going to play him. <laughs> yeah, you, but you had no idea. <laughs> no, I wasn't going <laughs> for that. And then it started coming in and people started, you know, it started, well, what are you going to do and how are you going to do it? And I say, I'm not, I'm not. I, he just made a proclamation. Mm. I, I haven't even met him or talked to him. Yeah. So then we met and got together and they sort of pitched their ideas for the movie and they were all kind of standard yeah. biopics and I just wasn't interested. And, right. And by the time I was almost at my house leaving yeah. the meeting, I thought, well, nobody's going to do it the way I want to do it unless I do it. Yeah. And as I, and I called him back and he was saying, I was about to call you and say, nobody can do the thing that you're talking about doing unless you do it. And I said, yeah, that's what I think it's going to be. <laughs> and then a short 10 years later. Yeah, it happened. Now, was the family on board? Absolutely. Oh, see, so they dug it. And that, what was the... I mean, it, I'm not saying like there was a slam dunk. They were like in. I mean, yeah. there was definitely a come to Jesus, come to Don's trailer on House of Lies set and be like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah, or after they saw the script, you mean? They were like going, what is this going to be? What yeah. are you really trying to do? And how right. can you not include this? And how can you not include that? And oh, how can you not include that? And yeah. I was like, I get it. And this is your your uncle, your father. This is, you know... I ultimately want you guys to be down with this take. Right. And if you're not, that's fine. I'll walk away from it. We don't have to do it. Right. I said, but I don't think that a mo any movie is going to be his legacy. Any movie right. is going to be what his he, library. His any legacy movie is, is gonna barely, be you know, he's his barely life. his legacy. It's a very difficult character. I'm saying I wanted the music and the expression, like just exactly how you laid it out. That yeah. was my intention with it. I said, I want to make a movie in the spirit of Miles Davis. Yeah. I want to make a movie that feels like him, not just a movie that's about what he did, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Right. I want to yeah. like go, this is what it feels like to be in that expression. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, that, and and that, that era that you picked is the best because it's like this, he's jacked up. Oh, He's out of his mind. He may never come. He may never play again. He cannot play. Yeah. Vince said the first time after that period yeah. when he heard Miles play, that's that scene at the end when he's playing, he said he couldn't produce sound. And he said it, he just cried like a baby. Uh, and Miles looked at him like, don't fucking cry. You know, like, don't yeah. pity me. Right. And what did, what was the record that pulled him out of that? He did Man with the Horn. Uh, that was his first thing out. And then he went on that We Want Miles tour. That's when I actually saw Miles Davis first. How, oh, so how was that? Crazy. Saw him in Red Rocks. So that was when the horn was way out there. He had kind of, you know, he was fucking with it, with the... Playing down with the wah-wah yeah, yeah, pedal yeah, right, and right, all yeah. that stuff. But I mean, the wah-wah he had introduced in the 60s. Right. But he was, it was a, it was that band that was just Mike Stern mm -hmm. and, and Harvey Mason and, and uh, an, a, another Bill Evans, not that Bill Evans, but the Bill Evans played... Uh, was, what, Marcus Sa Allen? Marcus was, Miller. Mil Miller? Is yeah. His name? Yeah. Yeah. I saw Marcus Miller do uh, an evening of miles at uh, Lincoln Center recently of Electric Miles. Uh-huh. It's yeah. pretty great. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah, he and Marcus were very close collaborators. Yeah, and two two and and, and I don't see a lot of, a lot of the a lot of jazz, but what I love about it, uh, watching jazz like if you get a bunch of guys up there and they're doing this thing and you got a few different horn players and they're laying down the bass of 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 a Miles riff is that like there's no other music where a dude will step up and do his thing. And get out there. Yeah. And other dudes are just standing around kind of looking at their horn. Kind of waiting. <laughs> yeah. And this guy's like in outer space. Yeah. And they're kind of like, you know, fucking around and just kind of like looking at him. They, well, that's so Miles-esque, right? Yeah, like, right. I mean, he used to let Coltrane solo for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. 
And they would be like, why are you letting this dude go? Why are you letting him do that? Miles be like, he's looking for something. He's just searching for something. Let him go, man. Oh, my God. It's so wild because I've been listening to him too lately. Oh, I mean, that's. But he did get so far out there. Yes, he did. Right? Yeah. Because I, I never put it together. Thelonious Monk, I think, really opened him up. He said Miles started it, but when he started playing, when he Monk just let him go like bananas. It's so weird because you know, like he stopped the dope early on, like uh, Coltrane did. Like you know, early he was. Well, like, that was I'm a huge with fight with between him and Miles. That's yeah. why Miles kicked him out of his band for the dope, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I watched that documentary, and then like, and then he goes on to sort of like, all right, if there's no dope, and I got to get there, spirit, I'm God, go, right? Reli- I'm going. Way out, on one. right? And, and some of that, some of the the concert footage of him, you know, towards the end of his life, he was it's out there, man. Yeah. Like you really got to be on board to hold on to that. I mean, in the amount of music that these guys have, yeah, you know, the amount of it's classical music on the fly, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like being able to, yeah, play these changes in you know milliseconds it's crazy and b- bring all of that music in quoting classical they can quote classical stuff yeah. when they're playing it they're like yeah. yeah i got all the classical shit i grew up playing all that shit right yeah that's what we that's how i learned that's how i know this yeah yeah because some people that when i was doing this and yeah. even now when you talk about miles yeah they don't know miles pre the electric stuff they don't know the bebop shit? they don't know any of that stuff oh, that's and then there are other guys who are like that's when we stopped when he went electric mm-hmm. that's when we got off mm-hmm. the bus mm-hmm. so it's it's a very bifurcated sometimes sort of miles fan base out there uh-huh. it's a lot of death metal dudes know oh, yeah quote miles sure you know, know oh, all yeah. of his shit yeah i bet from that moment on they don't the really electric. fuck with the like yeah right. from the electric on yeah. they're like whoa that's when i really like miles davis so when you when you're out here at cal art and you're, you know, you're blowing your mind. You're, you're learning how to, you know, uh, stage combat, tai chi, mushrooms. <laughs> and you knew about Uta Hagen going in. But was there a, a who was the teacher there? What was the basis of your acting education? Well, all of my, inst- all of the instructors there did, you know, mm-hmm. did both. A lot of the instructors would actually, you know, direct as well. Okay. Um, so everyone was involved. Yeah, was like everyone's involved. Real conservative. Lou Palter, Lou Floramonte, Libby Apple, you know. They're still like, out there? No. Do you go out there ever I, and I do go out a there. thing? So I'm, on my, I'm on the board, so I go. Oh, to, oh okay. So, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I loved the school. I loved the conservatory nature of it. I loved the just being completely consumed by it, you know. All day. All, all no, no day. other thing. You didn't need to learn anything all else. All day. I mean, I wish I had taken advantage of everything that the school had to offer. Not that there was a ton of time to do it. Yeah. But, you know, and not that even at that time did they have any real interdisciplinary sort of programs. You yeah. Know? Everyone was sort of balkanized and the only thing that they did right but it would have been great it would have been great to go back there and really get into the music program you know they have a world music festival every year that's like mind-blowing yeah you know and then the dance school is amazing and yeah wow alvin ailey comes through and you know it's just you just there's so many things happening at that school at any given moment i don't take in enough dance do you not enough no but i take in some yeah I, I don't, it's like, it's it's a whole other world. All these things are this other world, but it's yeah. so it's so vital and makes, when you watch it, you get moved. You don't even yeah. know why you get moved. Yeah, because I think at that level, <laughs> yeah. when you see when you see professionals doing it yeah. at that level, yeah. it's all kind of, it's not the same thing by any means. I'm not saying that visual art is the same thing as dancing, yeah, it's yeah, the same yeah. thing as acting, but when people are at their highest sort of, you yeah, know, yeah. The apotheosis yeah, of whatever great. they're yeah, doing, yeah, it they're, just translates. You just course. feel it. That, yeah, they've they've done the work. 
that paid the dues, and now they are an instrument of whatever it is they are doing. That's right. Yeah, and they you are can trust giving it. it to you. Exactly. Yeah, and you can feel it. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, that's something to be said about that because there's a lot of fucking amateurs around. 100. <laughs> <laughs> Let's name them one by one. Yeah. Let's start it's with a long a. list. Hold on. Let me just, get, <laughs> let me just open Twitter. So, <laughs> But so when do you, so once you finish school out there, you just come to LA? Yep. I graduated in 86. I was working, I had started working in 85 though. I'd actually gotten a gig before I got out of school. How did that happen? Did someone come looking? It happened because my classmate in my second year um, is Jesse Borrego, who was on fame and he got on fame, the TV show. He got on fame because he went to an open call. Uh, and now about 3,000 people, they picked him and Nia Long. Not Nia Long, sorry, Nia Peoples. Uh-huh. Um, and we took him to the audition. You drove out there? We all went. You know, oh, We yeah. were all going to bum rush it. We were like, okay, well, let's do this. Yeah. So we all went down and Jesse was like, Don, sing first. Don't dance first. You're a better singer. You know, you can sing. Don't dance. Yeah. And I danced first and I didn't get it. But he, he, <laughs> <laughs> so we get back to CalArts. I was like, how'd it go? He's like, yeah, it's all right. I don't know. Pretty good. Yeah. So the next morning we wake up and his picture's on the news. Really? They have a Polaroid of him <laughs> yeah. on the news. They're yeah. like, we're looking for this guy. Yeah. Because oh, really? they, they just took he Polaroids. He didn't put his, he, all he put on was Jesse. Like, he like, didn't put a name. He didn't put anything. So, you know, we saw him in class. We're like, there, your picture was on the news. Like a missing person? Yeah. He's like, yeah, right. Yeah. said, no, someone's, lo- <laughs> they're looking for you on the news. Yeah. So he finally, you know, we're, our phone rings. We're all sweet mates. Yeah. The phone rings. I pick it up. He's like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Okay, cool. He hangs up. He's like, ah, I got the job. Wow. He's like, you got what job? He's like, fame. I got the fame job. We're like, are you serious? Oh, man. So yeah. we, he goes, yeah, I got to go down and sign papers and I meet an agent and I guess it's on. Yeah. So we have to go to class and we're standing in class doing our like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and looking at each other like, why are we doing this? <laughs> he just got out. He just bounced. Yeah, right. He's out. Yeah. And so he left and he, so, but he still like didn't have a card, never ride. So we're still, all of us were very, at, at my, my friends at school, all of us, we were really, really tight and yeah. kind of went anywhere, everywhere together. But that's interesting. So, it, you know, it, there is that moment of sort of like, you know, that's what you want to do. You know, he got the job and, and you're doing your training, mm-hmm. but, but it, it is, there was never any, in your mind, there was never anything like a lofty pursuit like, you know, I don't want to yeah, do TV or sure. I'm a theater guy. Yeah. Or what? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, and and the school discouraged it, I'm, I think, rightly so, during, they did not want you going down to L.A. to, to try audition. to book auditions. That's or, why they built the school out there. Yeah, it's all the way up there. It's in Saugus. <laughs> don't go down there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I yeah, absolutely. I'll never do a commercial. I don't want to do TV. I want to do theater. And it's so wild, right? Yeah, and I did. I mean, I I used to get, when I first met when I first had agents who were his agents uh-huh. because when they met us, they were like, well, "You guys are all great." I so yeah, what is it, what is the jump of that story? So like, so we took him down. Yeah. He we went to meet an agent. The yeah. agent wasn't there. Yeah, when at the appointment time, so we were leaving. Yeah, as we were leaving, he and I and another friend of mine, Patrick, were like. No fake fighting in the in the court, doing like our stage combat shit yeah, outside yeah, yeah. around the fountains on Nine Thousand Sunset. Yeah, and she's like banging on the window, like you know the graduate. Yeah, yeah. Don't leave, don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> she comes down, 
And because I think because she came down and yeah. she was outside and she was like kind of in our environment and how we were, we weren't all tight. And right. How we would have all been probably if oh, we'd right, been up in the right. room and all nervous. So she showed up and you guys had left her and she kind of saw you being in her thing. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, you guys, you, this is a vibe. You guys are great. I want to represent all of you. No shit. And we're like, okay. Yeah. So I went back to school. Jesse went and did the show, and they shot in New York for a summer. Mm-hmm. And I was in New York that same summer working at a, a camp in Scarsdale, working at like a kid's camp. I was teaching. a counselor at a kid's camp. Uh, drama teaching? No, just a just, camp counselor. How the hell did that happen? Because my friend was like, I can get you a camp counselor gig in New York. You want to spend a summer in New York? I was like, sure. Whatever. The Jewish camp? No, I don't think it was oh, a Jewish no. camp. Okay. Um, <laughs> although they did call me... No. Uh, um, so, <laughs> but um, so I saw him in New York and he yeah. goes, you haven't called Kay. You haven't called our agent. Mm. She's been trying to put you and stuff. I was like, oh, I didn't think she was serious. He goes, yeah, she was serious. It's <laughs> like, oh, I, I'll call her when I get back to LA. So she, I was just sort of her pocket client uh-huh. and me and a couple other people that yeah. were, were just, and she just started sending us out and then we started getting booking shit. But you, did, you didn't do commercials? Is that what you're going to say? The first commercial I ever got yeah. was an AT&T commercial. Sure. Um, and it was one where a kid was on the phone and his parents called and he's in college and he's frantically searching around and they're going, how's it going in school? And he's acting like they can't hear him because yeah. the connection is bad. Right. And he's like, oh, you, you can't hear me? And that was the AT&T commercial. Right, sure. So I'm like, boom, I booked it. I'm headed out to go shoot it. Yeah. The f- pay phone in the lobby of the dorm rings, Yeah. which could be for anybody in the entire dorm. Sure. I just have this sick feeling like <laughs> it's for me. Yeah. So I pick up the phone yeah. and it's my agent. She's yeah. like, oh, so glad you answered. I said, what? She goes, they don't want to use you for the commercial. <sighs> I said, why not? She goes, they don't want to portray a black kid as failing out of school. Uh, I said, so they're going to fire the black kid? <laughs> Can't they? <laughs> I understand, but it seems kind of counterintuitive if they're trying to hurt black people to hurt this black people. Yeah. But uh, that was the first com- the first commercial I got, and then I never did a commercial for many. many isn't years. it weird how th- th- things have shifted around people's uh, 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 perception of selling out? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a strange thing because I, I think I don't know. I, I think we're roughly the same age, probably. Yeah, Maybe you're 54. a little younger. I'm fifty six, but there certainly was a time as, as a as a as a talent or an artist or whatever early on where you're like, fuck that shit, man. Oh, for sure. Punk rock all the way, no selling out. Yeah. But now it's like people will fucking do anything yeah. as long as they look all right. Uh, yeah. Right? Like, you know, if they can transcend the bullshit, mm-hmm. make it funny or make it cute, mm-hmm. you know, they're game yeah. to do whatever. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly when that happened, but it happened. I think the sort of being platform agnostic helped all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, once mm-hmm. movie actors were doing TV shows and once- I think that's true, commercials, yeah. They're like, oh, so- Because remember when stars would sneak off to Japan? Absolutely. To do, to yeah. do commercials? Yeah. And you'd see these weird commercials of that's like right. big movie stars selling yogurt. Yeah, like, exactly. What the fuck? Yeah. Hey, that guy just made a billion dollars in yeah. Japan. Would you do it out here? Hell yeah. no. I'm not no, man. Like a, there's no place to hide now. Yeah. Can't hide. No, exactly. So what was the first role? The first role I ever got was to play Juicy Burger Worker oh. in the movie Moving Violations. Oh, mm-hmm. Juicy Burger. Juicy Burger Worker. Burger, juicy Burger Worker. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see that movie. You didn't? I'm sorry, man. I I was going to go back and watch all your movies. But no, this can't. was fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just walk out. <laughs> 
Fuck I, you. I, fuck I, your I, podcast. No, man, I'll see. I'll watch it now. We'll watch it together. Please don't. No, we'll watch it please together. Please don't watch that movie. Probably, can you watch it? No. I don't watch anything I'm in. Ever? I mean, if I have to sometimes, I'm uh, you know, to look at cuts and things like that, but I, I don't I don't enjoy it, no. What 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 does it make you feel? Are you the kind of guy that like you watch yourself and you feel your you can go back into that moment and mm-hmm. then you rejudge the moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not just a general like oh, I suck. It's just sort of like I could have hit Ooh, a little hard. And why they pick that take? <laughs> yeah, all of that. But you were in colors. I was. Was that like that? Was it was a? I can't remember the the role, but it wasn't huge. Rocket, right? Rocket, mm-hmm. one of the gang guys. Yeah. And that was Dennis Hopper? He was pivotal. Pivotal gang guy. Yes. Okay. But Dennis Hopper. Yeah, Dennis Hopper. Directed it. He did. I remember being very excited and about Haskell that And Haskell Wexler shot it. Wow. Yeah. And I remember being very excited to see Hopper direct again. So you're working with Penn, mm-hmm. and you got to... Now, when when you're like that... He's like how... He's not... He's my age. He's not that older than yeah. us. No. But he was the shit, right, for yeah. a long time. We, you know, and we were, because he was in character all the time, there had been some things where we were like, Sean had like roughed the dude up for real, kind of on set and in character. Mm. Uh, and he had done, and he and Robert, there was a scene where my friend has played high top, Glenn Plummer played high top, mm. and they get in a fight and there was some real shit that happened in the fight. We were just like waiting for that to happen because we were just going to all jump him if something happened. Oh, really? We were like, oh, it's on if this dude does it. Because like three of my friends were in the movie and we're like, we're going to fuck this dude up. If so shit all in character though? Sure. We were going to be like, we're in character too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. It's method shit. Yeah, we were all in character. We were just all like, beat shit out of you. Shot you in character. <laughs> Was there a learning curve? Were you like nervous about it? Uh, <laughs> like working with directors, like you, no, you know. I was working with the gangbangers. I wasn't worried about the directors yeah, and the actors. Right. I was like, I'm working with gangbangers for real. Gang members like that would really gangbang on you for real. So the, they they used the real dudes in that yeah. movie. Yeah, uh. <laughs> I remember one of the, one of the guys in my uh, in my gang. His name was J Bone. I don't know if Jeffrey's still around. I hope he is. But uh, the first day. Mm. We, I get in my wardrobe. I'm sitting out on this bench. We're like just getting ready, getting dressed to do this big group scene. Yeah. So I'm sitting by myself, just trying to be in character, trying to figure this shit out. And I see this dude across the parking lot, and he looks at me, and I look at him, and he looks at me like, "Oh, you just gonna you gonna just stare at me?" Mm. And he walks across the parking lot, staring at me. And I'm like, "Oh, this is a real one." Yeah. And I'm supposed to be the head of the gang. I can't really punk out right now. Right. This is a this is a moment that's really going to be telling about how this is going to go. <laughs> so he walks all the way up to me. He's like, "What's up, Cuz?" I was like, "What's up?" He's like, "What set you from?" I said, "Oh, I'm an I'm an actor. I'm an, I'm, an, I'm not a gangbanger. I'm an actor." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh yeah." I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "All right, so let's see what the fuck was up." He's like, and he walked away. I was like, "Fuck, day one, day one." <laughs> so then. <laughs> We have a scene. Oh my god! Yeah, this is day one. <laughs> so then we have a scene in the van where I'm supposed to tell him we do a drive-by on this blood, and they're all who ride in the back, and I'm supposed to tell them to shut the fuck up because mm. we're getting ready to do this thing. <laughs> yeah. So we rehearsed it. I'm like, shut the fuck up. So 
and it's late in the morning. You know, it's late. We're punched. Everybody's like tired. We want to go home. It's we're we are though we're using this gang that we're using. Yeah, we're in another gang's neighborhood. It's a whole thing. Oh. The locations people had no sensitivity to where we were crossing lines. None of that shit. What was do you find that? Well, that's a, just a question about the direct. Do you think Hopper was encouraging the chaos? No. Okay. Hell no. Okay. All right. No, no. Nobody really. Once we realized it was like, oh, this is beef. This could yeah. really be a problem. Yeah. And we were like, what's up, Jay? And he's like, we in, you know, we in them Denver lanes area. We're not supposed to be out here right now. I was like, oh. So anyway, we're doing this scene and I tell him to shut the fuck up. And then he starts laughing. He's like, shut the fuck up. Man, you sound soft as fuck. Shut the fuck up. You sound like a little bitch. Shut the fuck up. Nigga, please. And so I was like, no, for real, Jay, shut the fuck up because we have to do this. He was like, what? And he leans, he's in the back seat, and yeah. he leans up in my ear. He's like, I'll smoke you in this fucking car right now, cuz. Think I give a fuck about this movie? Think I'll kill you right now. I was like, oh, my. and he, and I was like, I know he's good for it. I know he's not just talking shit. <laughs> yeah. He probably would do it. Right. Everybody gets quiet in the car. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, Javon, it's my line. I'm on a set. Yeah. We're, you're in a movie. I have to say this. He's like, say it again. See what happens. I dare you, nigga. Say it again. Like, I, it's this, I have to say it. <laughs> what are you talking about? So we go back. Action. Cut. Don, what's up? You didn't say the line. I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's okay. Go back. He's laughing. He's like, yeah, that's right. You better not say it. I'm like, we're gonna, I have to say it. So we do it one more time, and I kind of get it out. Yeah. And he doesn't say anything, and he's getting out of the car. He's like, you punk motherfucker. You better be off the set before I get out of my costume. I'm like... God damn, I'm going to get killed on a movie set. <laughs> Your second movie. <laughs> second movie, I'm going to lose my life saying a line that I have to say in the yeah. movie. Yeah. So I hustle off the set. But after that, I think because I said it, yeah. he was like, Oh, yeah? You're all right, man. Oh, I just God. had to sweat me. Yeah. And then w- w- another day, he takes my call sheet. Yeah. He's like, let me see your call sheet. I give him the call sheet. He starts walking toward this alley. Yeah. Like, where are you going, Jamal? He's like, he's kind of gesturing me, like, follow me. I'm like, oh, man, it's the okie doke. It's about to go down in the alley. (laughs) (laughs) So we go in the alley, and there's this older black lady standing there, dressed like in church clothes and everything. He's like, it's my mom's, man. (laughs) Oh, hello, Mrs. Washington. How are you? Nice to meet you. And he's like, yeah, I just wanted you to meet my mom. He's like, that's it. Go on. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) He couldn't just say, I come meet my yeah, mom. Yeah, he had yeah, to like, yeah. Everything's got to be yeah. hard. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. So that's sort of a, that's an interesting entry. Into yeah. The trial by fire. Yeah. yeah for sure. Crucible. And then you just, you kept, you just kept going, man. And so when do you think that there was the, the point was where everybody knew who you were? Was that from Devil in a Blue Dress? Or? I don't know if that's happened yet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I can still roll around pretty incognito. Well, that's a good thing. No, I love it. Please. Oh man, Are you kidding me? Just to be able to work like you do, have the respect that you do. Okay. <laughs> oh shit! Maybe we're that, supposed dude? to change the subject. Whoa! We just for everybody listening, we just went black. But the, but not all of it went black. It was the lights because it, it. Oh, you were still up and going. Well, for some reason, the computer and shit was still on, but the mics went down yeah, the and mics. the lights went off. Yeah. But Pol- the box is in here. That's some weird shit. Poltergeist. Huh. So, oh, but we were talking about 
But should we change the subject? Is that a sign? Is well, that... we talk. We even talk about being able know. to be incognito, Dude. to be able to have a life. Maybe that's the word you're not supposed to say. That was it. It's like Beetlejuice. Maybe my phone did it. I don't even know what my phone does. Shut off everything. <laughs> exactly. It's like when you ever turn on Siri and you don't know it. And yeah. All of a sudden, talk to you. That yeah, that's it. not good. It just, uh, I just told it to shut the lights off in every in the house. Uh, but no, but that's a that's a. But I think that because I I actually did watch, uh, Devil in a Blue Dress the mm-hmm. other night mm-hmm. uh, because I like uh, people I've talked to they're like that was the the first time I remember that dude right I mean right? I think I got a lot of that I think that's I think people said that I think Boogie Nights yeah um, there were a oh, few Nights, sort man. of yeah yeah things kind of in a row that, and depending on who you were you know it's like for some it was picket fences for some people it was because you just but you never you, so that was the other thing too like you'll do TV you don't it's like oh, right yeah. from the beginning back and forth yeah. whatever comes if the role's good you'll take it exactly and yeah. I used to like I was saying earlier I used to drive my agents when I realized I had agents yeah. crazy because the first few years that I was in LA during pilot season I left to go do theater. Yeah. And they were like, what are you doing? This is the height of when we can get you a gig. I was like, but there's this great role. What was it? In this play, well, I was working a lot with um, with Joanne Acolytus. Yeah. Uh, and worked at the Guthrie with her, worked at the Public. Yeah. Worked at, at the Goodman in Chicago. So being a theater baby, these were all, you know, sort of the crown jewels of places that sure. I wanted to work. Yeah. As an actor, so I'm like, I'm not gonna say no to going to work at the public, right? To maybe get a pilot on some show that it's probably gonna be shitty. Isn't that true though? Like, isn't that weird once you realize that that you're gonna go out and read for these pilots, and you're gonna go spend five minutes in a room with a bunch of suits, and then you're gonna you know, have to go back again three or four times for three weeks of <laughs> bullshit, and then not get something yeah. where you can be on stage doing the thing that I loved. Yeah, do. yeah. I was like, I don't. That doesn't even make sense to me. They're like, well, this is the grind. This is what it is. You have to do that. I was like, well, I'll get to it. I don't think Hollywood's going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back in what, three months, but what, I'm gonna go do this. Do you remember what play it was? <laughs> Did Cymbeline at the Public? Yeah. Uh, Tis pity she's a whore at the Goodman. Oh, at the Guthrie, it did a, a show called Leon and Lens Bushner play. Yeah. Um, so that was so you were really doing it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I worked a bunch at another small theater in Minneapolis called Mixed Blood that yeah. I just loved. So I just kept going back there and doing stuff. Yeah. Um, and all during like the busy, busy season, but. I drive across, you know, I drive from here to Minneapolis by myself, another really sort of solo journey. This, like, I just loved every aspect of that that time of my life. Yeah. And I didn't have to make any money, you know. If I made $500 a week, I was like, that's good. Well, it's nice. I think that's probably why you're the actor you are in the sense that, like, you know, you didn't pollute your brain with the sort of, like, putting the ambition over the craft do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just sort of like fuck it, I'll take let's just work, man. Yeah. Like you really appreciate it. I think it seems like this your character in the sense or who you are. It's like with golf, you know, to sort of like to 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 focus on like I'm going to drive out. I got I'm working the thing. I'm on my own looking at the stuff. Yeah. Going to show looking up. Looking at me. Yeah. yeah. Do you, when you go to the theater for the first time, do you go walk around? Oh yeah. The stage. It's the best. Right? It is the best. It's the best. When I do stand up, man, like like the sound check when you just walk out. Right. Some, sometimes I'll have them like play some music on the system and just sit there by myself yeah. and listen to the music. No, there's nothing like a theater. Oh, it's the there's best. nothing like a theater. Real theater. The magic that happens in it's there. The best. But Boogie Nights, like, you bring up Boogie Nights, and, like, that moment where you're sitting there with that wig, James wig on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great moment. 
That was a great moment. That was a great directing moment for Paul. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Why would because he? he's like, okay, so we're sitting. He goes, okay, I'm in this spot. He goes, all right, so in this take, you're just kind of sitting there, just like out of your element, like second guessing this look. And he goes, I just, I, I, I want you to just don't do anything. Just do nothing. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So I do it. And he goes, cuts. He comes over. He goes, that take you were kind of doing nothing. Yeah. I just want nothing. Like just a blank. I just want you to be nothing. Just nothing. Why? And I was like, be nothing. He's like, yeah, just nothing. So he walks off. I'm going, be nothing. What is he talking about? Be nothing. I'm sitting there trying to figure out what that means. And he's like, cut. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I was like, "Oh, you little master, you!" And that's how it read. Just threw dude. a Zen koan to me, and I was like, "It just read like, yeah, exactly. Like, there's just yeah." And it was, <laughs> it was so like vapid. It was sad. Though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it was that moment where you're like, "This guy doesn't know who he, is. <laughs> he has no idea <laughs> that you really thought that that's what you should wear." You really thought that's what you should wear. I know. You're like, you know what? This one. This one. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. Poor was, Buck. Oh, man. I was on the phone. We were talking about you coming over, and I just said, uh, oh, is that for the Christmas? <laughs> for the Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Another oh. horrible moment. Oh, was yeah. Right <laughs> and then like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just worked with that guy, that stunt dude who shoots, who starts it all off. Who's the dude sitting at the counter who pulls the gun and shoots the guy? Yeah. In a in a Black Monday. It's funny. Oh, you did? Yeah. He was. A, he's a big stunt dude. Oh, that's those guys are wild. I've interviewed yeah. a couple of them. Yeah. They're yeah. But like Paul Thomas Anderson, like uh, I've interviewed that dude. <laughs> It's so funny, man, because... He's great. He's great, but, like, you know, I never heard him talk. I didn't know who he was. And, oh, I knew who he was. I loved his movies. Mm -hmm. But I, I just had this idea that he was some, like, brooding, dark genius. Yeah. But he's this valley goofball. Yeah. He's yeah. just like this... Yeah. And he, he, I couldn't believe it. No, he's he's amazing. And Carl introduced him to me, Carl Franklin, who directed Devil in a Blue Dress. Yeah. And he was... And that... Because that year, I think I did three or four movies. I may have... I may have done three or four movies. I don't remember. Yeah, did Rosewood that same year, and and Boogie Nights, and something else. That was a that that year. I think was sort of a watershed kind mm -hmm. of year. Mm -hmm. um, I had just quit. Your agents must have been happy that you locked into that shit. Right? Well, I was doing picket fences for a year for three years before that, and then I qu I just quit the show because I didn't like the show, and they yeah. were like they were not happy about that. Right, <laughs> just yeah. like you're quitting a series that you're locked you know, in job. I was like, I just don't dig it. I just yeah. think there's something else I'm going to do. Yeah, I and, do I, it. and I could be here for the rest of my life. I don't want to do this. I'm right, twelfth. I'm the twelfth person in the yeah. cast, which means a I was the heart of the movie, which ugh, it's the heart of the show. Which yeah. don't make me the heart of the show. I hate that. Yeah, and secondly, I'm the dude that sort of like there would be so many days where. They just wouldn't get to me, and I had sat in the trailer for that's the twelve worst. hours, just wanting to blow my head off. Thank God I was writing, or yeah. I would have just killed myself. Yeah, it's weird. You took you 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 go inward with the anger. I just get mad at whoever the ad, <laughs> the, the fucking, you know, whoever is taking up the time. The director, like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, the director's like, I don't know. I'm here. I'll not. I won't be here next week. They just right, drop right. me into this shit. Right, right, right. We're but, trying to get lit. Yeah. How long is that? <laughs> Talk to the DP. <laughs> <laughs> I would just write, so yeah. I wrote a play, and I just spent the time just writing. So, oh, really? So, have you produced a lot of your own plays and stuff? 
Yeah, I mean, I did that one at that time. Oh, which one was that? Uh, it was a play nobody would ever, nobody oh, really? ever saw. It was called Groomed. We actually performed it at the John Anson Ford Theater. It was a staged reading. Yeah. It, it turned into a play because the actors decided, like, no, we're going to actually get off book and do this. I was like, fuck. Wow. It was not the play. So once the lead actor did it, yeah. kind of threw down the gauntlet, yeah. then all the other actors were like, well, we're not going to not, be, if he's not on book, we're, if, I'm not going to be on book. And the ego started jumping out. Yeah, and then yeah, the lighting yeah. person was like, well, if they're going to do all that, I'm going to throw some gels and this shit and some gobos. And the person was like, well, I'm going to build a set if you guys are going to do all that. And it turned into a play. Wow. Which was, which was really great. That must have been wild to watch it that. It was wild. So, that, I mean, because all that stuff kind of informs, right? Because, I mean, like when you did the Miles movie, I don't know how much you, other ones you directed before that, but that thing's got a full vision. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you hired the right folks. You knew what you wanted to see. Whoever your DP was and your yeah. set deck. Roberto you, Schaefer, yeah. Fucking nailed it. Yeah. It's his own world. Yeah. You know, slightly heightened. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Exactly. But, uh, all right, yeah. So, yeah, you were busy. Rosewood, Boogie Nights, Out of Sight. Oh, yeah. Those right? Those all really close to each other. Right, the Rat Pack. Sammy Davis. What compelled you to do that movie? Um, well, the same thing that compels me to do any of them. Just uh-huh. the, the part was great. I liked the part. I liked the script. I liked the cast. That was another interesting. I don't know if I have any that aren't interesting, but that one I didn't. I was offered the part, and they never. The script had never really dealt with. Yeah. Sammy's own awareness of the racism. Uh huh. It just sort of glossed over that. And I was like, you can't have him not be aware. Of not just the racism that exists outside, but what he's dealing with with his own friends inside the Rat Pack. You know, the kind of ribbing that they do and the kind of ways that they talk shit about him. It's like, that was nowhere in the script about how Sammy felt about that. And you read his autobiographies, and it's nowhere in that. He never really talks about it. Well, what was the assumption? I I was like, I don't care. He has to. When I watch the routines, I'm looking at him like, nah, come on. You can't be a black man up there. And then picking you up and talking about this being an award from the NAACP and you not feeling some kind of way about it some uh-huh, nights. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. can we not do that joke tonight? You know, can we right. not, when I look right. out and all these yeah. black people are in the audience, like, you pick me up and... Especially at that time, you know, because this shit was changing, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. And he mm. was at the sharp, you know, edge of the, mm-hmm. the spear about it. So I said, I kind of don't, I, this has to be a part of the script or I don't, I don't want to do this. This has to be in there. So... It wasn't addressed. It wasn't addressed. And like two weeks before, I got a draft and it was in there. I said, okay, I'll do it. And they're like, great. Now you have to do uh, gun less, gun twirling lessons, mm-hmm. drum lessons, trumpet lessons, tap lessons. You have to sing on this thing. I was like, oh, shit. I got two weeks to like get ready yeah. for this. Which, wow. Holy shit. Yeah, it was cram, cram, cram. But I had the best teacher. Savion Glover was my tap instructor. Really? Yeah. And then- could you do it? I could do it when I needed to for that, yeah. Isn't that weird when you, you've got that, you know, you can focus your talent? That's and, right. And, and that's you, some of that acting shit that we learned in school. That's right. kind of that, like, right. and let's sh- go. Yeah. And it shows up and yep. you do it. Yep. And then two weeks later, you're I like, couldn't, yeah, yeah, I couldn't, yeah, I wouldn't remember to do it at all. Just possessed. Yes, exactly. What did what, you come out of that with for yourself? Just a real appreciation of his talent. Oh, yeah, right? And how amazing, just being able to dig into all of his stuff, you know, doing the research on yeah. him, and just, let, you talk about a talent. Right? Everything. Everything. It's crazy. At a high level. Yeah. 
it's really a, like a gifted dude. And and to hear them talk about like Sinatra, whenever he would introduce him, he's like, "I'm about to bring this kid on stage, and he's gonna." <sighs> you could just see he was like, "This kid, it's like yeah. you think I can sing?" He's like, "You don't know shit about singing. You gotta listen to this kid. He's gonna hit some notes that are gonna make you just." Well, it's interesting to know, like when you really look at all those guys that that there was this sort of. Uh, not one noteness to them, but they were so dug into their personalities that they were confining. Mm. Where like Sammy was, you know, he was Sammy, but it, it didn't confine him in any way no. to sing or dance or drum or whatever the fuck, be funny. I mean, it was like kind of. And sort of like you had to. I mean, I think that's something too that for that era, for yeah. a black man, a black woman especially, mm. you know, it's like you had to be 10 times as talented as anybody else you were standing. You had to be able to do everything right. to get half as far as right. a lot of those guys could get. Right, and and still be sort of like pigeonholed in a racist way. Yeah, you're still not going to get ahead. And take it, but, uh, yeah. but also like take the joke. That's what I'm saying. That's uh. what I wanted to be. That's what wasn't in this. And ultimately what it turned out to be is just a moment. I said, we need, can I just have a moment where they can make the joke and I'm laughing, and then I turn around and just put a camera behind me to see how I really feel. And then I can come back and put the mask on again. And they did it? Yeah, we did it. Uh, and I was like, I just need stuff like that. Yeah, I just yeah, need yeah. to show that this person is not completely obtuse right. and doesn't understand what he has, the, the Faustian deal he has made right. to be able to do this and, right. and open the door for other people behind him, which is absolutely what he did. Mm. But that means you're going to take the brunt of it. Right. Yeah, I mean it's and it was just, it's it it's been a Faustian deal still, for sure. Yeah, uh, you I I forgot you're in traffic. That's great. That's Thank great. You. And Bullworthy work with the, that Beatty fella. Yeah, that, that dude. That must have been wild. He seems like a interesting, very wild, interesting dude. Very interesting dude. And yeah. we shot that for over, I mean a year off yeah. and on for a year. Well, he means business. It <clears> seems <throat> when he decides to direct something, it's like it's not. And nobody can tell him shit. And his deal specifically at that time, and it was maybe a poison pill left by the last, uh, the guy who ran twentieth at that time. Yeah. He had a deal that he just had to write a treatment. Yeah. And turn it in. Yeah. And he could do whatever he wanted. Oh wow. And I think they sort of left it. Like, oh really? Deal right. with Warren. Because <laughs> he hated the dude coming in. <laughs> yeah. And they used to call me yeah. and ask me what was going on because when the suits would show up on set, Warren would just stop. He just wouldn't shoot. Really? He would just stand there. And they're like, what are you working on? He's like, I got some stuff. Wow. So you're going to shoot there? He's like, Not, no. And he didn't care. He would just stand around until they left. And as soon as they left, we'd start working again. It's so funny. I guess that dude's earned that. He's Hollywood, man. He was there at the beginning of the I mean, new thing. There's so many things that you realize that Actually, you can do whatever you want. A lot of times, you, people just if don't. If you have the balls yeah, to do it. if you can right. do yeah. it, stop me. But yeah, I thought that movie was good. I think, you know, it's like you definitely felt the point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So being part of these franchises, I mean, is there, I mean, it seems like the Ocean thing is fun. It's a lot of fun. I mean, like they all, everybody seems to be having a good time. So much fun. <laughs> and, you know, people, it, like Ocean's 12 is one of the movies that people just come up to me in my face. Is that the Andy like, Garcia I one? I hate that. Oh, God, I hated that second one. That one sucked. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> well, they, they don't Can think they Can I come they're... watch whatever you're doing at your job and, like, critique you? But it's but, like uh, they don't think they're going to, like, they don't look at it in the same way you look. Like, they're just, I don't know why people think they can do that. But they think you must feel the same way or that you have some distance from it or whatever. Or I don't give a shit what you think right, you know, right you're yeah. not a real thing you're yeah. sort of a prop that yeah, that yeah says yeah. stuff and walks around yeah but that yeah that was um jerry weintraub bless his soul was um 
you know, produced that one really like old Hollywood. And yeah, yeah. We just were treated amazingly and everybody had their families over. And oh, that's nice. It was nice to be able to have that experience. And we were really sort of cordoned off. I mean, you know, paparazzi is an Italian word. And right. We were, we were in Italy and they had to kind of give us an entire floor where nobody could come and then uh-huh. we had the roof and they would put a there was a bar up there and it's a so real first class hollywood treatment yeah nice it was great and what about these marvel movies they're fun too yeah in different ways yeah 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 it's, it's a, a different it's completely different obviously super yeah. technical and a but lot did more. you see that coming like you like oh hell no i mean it's crazy I mean, you, like you're in, you're one of the guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it happened. And it's a great thing, right? Yeah. I don't watch them and I've been critical of them because it's not my thing. Yeah. But uh, so I haven't really seen any of them, but it seems like the people that are in them, it's like, yeah, why the fuck wouldn't I do that? You know I mean? Yeah. I mean, and it's again, it's one of those things where we all, you know, we all really vibe each other mm-hmm. and have a great time around one another. Yeah. And there's so many of us, you know, it's like, it's like right. being a troop. It's, it's, it, well, you know? it is. It's, it's crazy. Like a theater troop. It's like its own little community. It is. And then like the, I guess the, you, it seems that, well, just from what I see publicly that the, the, ho- the experience of hotel Rwanda mm. kind of blew your mind to a point where, it activated you on a level you probably didn't even know was in you. 100%. What did you know before you did the movie about the genocide? Very little. See, isn't that wild? Very little. Mm. And then I started to do the research and then, you know, saw the frontline piece on it, which was devastating. And just started meeting, you know, I met Paul Recessa-Begina who came out, who I portray in the movie, and I got to meet him. And just, yeah, getting into the story was, uh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I didn't know anything about it. I only had cursory knowledge of it, and then it then it was yeah. It took me to a completely different place, and then doing it and seeing the effect that it had on people whose stories hadn't been told, mm. and people who you know the survivors of the genocide. A lot of them were extras in the film, Ugh. and I couldn't believe they wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. And they were saying, no, we want it out. We want the story to be known and it's important to us and we want to participate in it. And it's a cathartic, you know, it's a healing for us in a way too, uh, to go through it. Oh, man, it's um, just your neighbors. Yeah. People you know, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that is somewhat emblematic of how these things go yeah. around the world. Uh-huh. It's very often your neighbor. It's very often people that you are commingling with in different communal situations uh-huh. and then they've all of a sudden, you're the other. other. That's right. Uh. You've been otherized, and it's on. Yeah, the otherizing business. I, that's a that's a good word for it. Mm-hmm. Is that your word? No, I yeah. can't take credit for it. But I, that's really what it is. Because we're seeing it everywhere now. Absolutely, everywhere. That's what you have to do in order to be able to do what you need to do. Dehumanizing them enough to you're case. a thing. If I turn you into a thing, I can do anything I want. I to. can get rid of you. Yeah. Yeah, and nobody's going to care. Yeah. So. How are you active now with that stuff? Well, I still uh, work with Sentinel, Mm -hmm. uh, where we, uh, one of the things that we did at the time and are still doing is uh, there is a satellite that, you know, goes over that area in Uh in Sudan, in Mm -hmm. Darfur, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we were able to piggyback on that and 
capture images from what's happening in the border. Oh, really? So when there are raids mm-hmm. and there are things, when there at that time there was nothing. There was we're just warehousing this material and trying to you know collect evidence in case there ever was a moment when as has happened. Yeah. Bashir is now going to the Hague to be tried for these crimes against humanity and for genocide. But at the time that was not happening. We were trying to pressure yeah. uh you know world the the world community to act and now it finally has. Yeah, years later yeah. after like now all the information's in CIA involvement whatever the fuck was happening. A lot everything was happening. You know and they were our allies at one point quote unquote because right. we were getting intel from them about you know, terrorism. Yeah. yeah. So it was a blind eye toward whatever you're doing to your citizens as long as we're getting information that we need to fight terrorism. Mm. Um, There's got to be some assets involved there, too. Can't, it's got to be something. It's all yeah, I know, It's man. all crazy. It's, it's I mean, and, and then the, the main rebel leader then becomes the head of the, you know, the government. Yeah. And then it's just all mixed up. And, it, and it, again, this is not something that is un- heard of when these incidents happen there's always other actors involved yeah that have their own agenda agendas and they have a, and the people are always the, yeah <laughs> the ones in the middle that are just getting swiped around and, yep. and, and bandied right. about yeah there's a detachment on behalf of the power right like you know there's the immediacy of the the murdering but then you know a couple whoever else is involved there if there's enough detachment they it's just numbers not it don't matter yeah and who steps in to that void yeah. Uh, once that once that yeah. bad guy's gone, now who are the good guys are coming in? Because it was a very and how long is it going to take before they go bad? <laughs> yeah, the good, good well, guys. absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. I, I mean, know. that's the yeah. So trying to still figure out and to not be this sort of patriarchal and like we're going to tell you how to run your country and we're we have the best ideas for what to do. We went around. I was uh, George Clooney, myself, a uh, long distance runner named Tegla LaRoop, uh, um, Olympic runner, and uh, Joey Cheeks, who was a uh, speed skater. Mm-hmm. Went around during the height of this. We went to China. We went to Egypt, talked to Prince Mubarak um, to try and say, you have influence in this region. The Chinese had influence because they have deals with the with the Sudanese people, uh, militaristic mm-hmm. deals with weapons and things like that, and oil. Yeah. And we thought the Arab nations would be able to put some pressure. Yeah. Uh, but when we went, first of all, we were the highest level delegation that had ever gone to those areas about it, which is ridiculous. Two the actors? A- two actors and two athletes were like the highest level delegation that had ever gone to try uh-huh. to get any uh, movement on it. And both of the countries... Both of their leadership said to us, "Who who are you to come in here and try to tell us? Mind your business. Anything, America? Yeah, about what to do. You really want? You guys think that you have a, a the the best track record on this to 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 preach from your yeah podium about what we should be doing to curb violence? Are you crazy? Did you even see that coming though? Where did that put you in a position of like sort of like what do I really know? Well, we're we're like we're 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 not pushing back on that. Yeah." We're just saying that this is actually really happening. Yeah. You know, and we're not here to to represent or defend things that are happening with American interests. We're trying to talk about the people right. that are here and yeah. can you help the people. Right. And they're like, Yeah, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> really? Basically kick rocks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Go tell your tell your leadership to do something. And during the height of this as well, I was asked to testify uh for the Senate with uh, John Prendergast. 
and General Dallaire, who was in uh, Rwanda at the time, and he mm-hmm. was the last UN general who stayed behind when everyone else fled, and he wouldn't leave. Mm-hmm. Um, to just talk about our experience in the area and what had happened and what we thought America, quote-unquote, should do or what our government should do. Right. And I was called in to uh, meet with Condoleezza Rice because she heard I was coming. So yeah. the State Department's like, oh, Condoleezza Rice wants to talk to you. I was like, yeah. wow, that's pretty heavy. Yeah. I felt like what it felt. I didn't, I wasn't cool with it. Right. <laughs> it's like, what am I supposed to do? So I go sit outside her office yeah. and it's like being called to the principal's office. You know, I'm out there. I have to wait for a while. She, she pulls me in and she starts, you know, so Jindai Frazier was her head of African affairs yeah. and like, tell Don what's happening in the region. So she said a bunch of gobbledygook I didn't really understand. Yeah. I was like, okay. And then she left and then she excused everybody and it was just me and her and a photographer. Yeah. And she said, okay, well, let me explain something to you, Don. She said, what's happening there? You know, on the border, there was a, when the Israeli soldiers, there was a couple of Israeli soldiers that were uh, taken um, between the border, between Lebanon. And do you remember when that happened? It was a big international, it was almost a huge international. We were like, we're going to go to war over this. A couple of Israeli soldiers were kidnapped. Yeah. and she said, we had to send, it's the UN, it's not us. We're not the problem with the genocide. It's the UN. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's like saying, it's my right, it's not me, it's my right, it's right. my right arm. Yeah. Um, she said, but they're the problems. Like, so when this incident, this international incident went down, we had to send special, we had to send a, a couple special envoys down there to push through all the red tape and all the bureaucracy. I was like, so you just said you couldn't do anything. And now you just yeah. told me that you... I'm not saying this. I'm just listening because right. I want to leave. Right. You know? Yeah. And then she said, and all you activists out there, all you guys out there talking about George Bush needs to do more to stop the genocide in Darfur. George Bush can't do anything about that. You guys need to shut up. Wow. She said it like that? Kind of. <laughs> oh, man. Basically, knock it off. Did you feel like, that? was she scary or just were you like sort I of like, or was she just- felt like I mean she didn't say let's meet at a cafe it wasn't like right let right, me call right, and tell right, you that right. I was yeah. literally sitting at in the state, in the department. state department right and she was working in her official capacity yeah to tell you to shut, shut up, up. <laughs> <laughs> wow which I didn't you of know course. I went yeah. out and told yeah. that story at every book drive I was like if something happens to me check Condi you know yeah, right. I, I am not suicidal <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't I didn't get despondent and shoot myself in the back of the head in my driveway <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it seems like all of the you, that that stuff really it has to do with you know people like you or people who are focused on the 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 issue to to go out and get shit done I mean I was talking to Tandy about Working with events where with the women in the Congo, I mean it's heavy shit. But heavy. you know they go down there and they create a system, a, 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 a system of support of ways to you know that the community can start to you know w- you know rebuild themselves. Yeah, and that's the best thing that we can do, I think, from our positions is really shine the light on mm. and support people who have been doing the work for a long time mm. and attempt to and as best we can with this platform lend support right. to the communities that are dealing with it. And you know? bring attention to it. That's it. That's yeah. what we can do. We're yeah. not the experts. Of course. We're just saying these, these are the experts, right. though. These are the people who it intimately uh, uh, impacts and affects, and they are down there doing the work. Don't you know, I'm glad you put a mic in front of me and put a camera in front of me. Let's yeah. turn it to them. Yeah. You know, like and Brad. get them what they need. That's it. Yeah, that's what they all... They, when I, I can't stand when people <laughs> condescend 
you know, Hollywood people or celebrities or the acting community for making political statements. It's like we're not assuming anything other than the fact that we can say something and be heard and draw attention to something that requires attention. That's it. Yeah, we're not saying we're geniuses. No. We're not saying we're fucking, you know, experts. No, we're saying here's a problem. Yeah, yeah. It's a real problem. And yeah, help out. please look over there and you guys do something. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. And then, you know, it's only getting harder and weirder and scarier. No diggity. So these last two big cable shows that you're doing, like I watched a, a, a few, a bit of the, the Black Monday. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty broad, funny shit. Yeah. You know, like you're working with uh, Goldberg and, and Seth yeah, Rogen on yeah, that? Yeah. And like, where'd that idea come from? Those guys? No, it came from the writers, David Casp and Jordan Cahan, who created the right. the pilot. And they had pitched it early to Showtime, and then Billions came out, and they were like, well, that's not our show's not going to happen. Um, but Seth and Evan had a deal there, mm-hmm. and uh, David Nevins had a Showtime at the time, was asking, what do you guys want to do? And there was a bunch of projects. They said, we want to do this one. Yeah. And so they got together, and David called me, and he said, there's this project that I'm... I don't know if it's you. Actually, I don't think it's you. Never. As, as I'm saying out loud, yeah. yeah. Like as I'm saying it out loud, I I don't think you're the right person. So anyway, <laughs> good talking to you. Hope everything's good. And he hangs up. I was like, great talking to you, David. Yeah. And then he called me a little later and goes, you know, what? actually, the more I think about it, I think this could, this actually might be good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So and he said, and I talked to Seth and Evan, and they're way into it, and David and Jordan are way into uh-huh. it. So let's all get together and meet and see if there's something that can work out. And is it similar to the guy from House of Lies? I think people think he's. Uh, some people have thought that uh, I, I'm playing it, so I don't feel like he's right. got the same vibe as Marty Azal. I think that they're different. You know, Marty at least held certain things. He he had some moral compass, and he had a family, and he had you know a, a grounding mechanism that was his dad and his son. And it wasn't as broad a comedy though. And yeah, it wasn't straight up right, broad, right. broad nuts. Yeah, comedy. yeah, yeah. This yeah. one is. And I think that's why David was really, David Nevins really sparked to it because he goes, this is like a straight comedy. Right. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. This this is, you don't need a moral is, compass. No. <laughs> these guys are bananas. Right. <laughs> Let's yeah, go. Yeah, right. More coke, more yeah, insanity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And uh, so this is the, the second season's going up now? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope it uh, keeps going. Me too. And, you know, you, you, you're constantly working, and obviously we could keep going through a bunch of stuff, but it was great talking to you, man. It was great talking to you, too. Thanks for doing it. Thank you for now decadding gonna, your studio for me. Oh, you got it, man. <laughs> I'm gonna, now I got to go listen to some Miles. Yo, no doubt. That was Don Cheadle. That was, I really enjoyed talking to that guy. And again, his uh, show, the show he's on now, Showtime's Black Monday, season two premieres. On Sunday, March 15th at 10 p.m., my special, End Times Fun, premieres tomorrow on Netflix. Uh, Hey, Google, who is Mark Maron? According to Wikipedia, Mark David Maron is an American stand-up comedian, podcaster, writer, and actor. Hey, Google, what has Mark Maron done? According to Wikipedia, from 2013 to 2016, he starred in his own IFC television comedy series, Marin, for which he also served as executive producer and occasional writer. Wow, that's impressive. Hey Google, is Mark Marin a good stand-up comedian? Sorry, I don't have any information about that. Come on, you can't just say yes. I gotta play my, uh, my Les Paul Jr. just to erase that. Let's cleanse the palate with some... Greasy fucking tone.
Boomer lives.